0: Welcome to Season 1, Episode 4 of Buzzwords, Conversations About Teaching and Learning at Shenandoah University, where we talk about teaching and learning at SU, and hopefully a lot more than that. We'd like to thank our sponsor, SU's transformative teaching and learning team, led by Karen over monday Lucas. I'm Scott King, um, taking the lead on hosting today. I teach psychology at Shenandoah. With me are Joey Garisiak, Ms. Melissa Smeltzer-Kraft, and our guest, Phil Liversedge. Joey, how have you been doing? Have you been watching basketball?
1: I've been watching a lot of basketball, Scott. Yeah, absolutely. As, as much as I can. I mean, it's that time of the year. Everybody's getting into it. March Madness. Uh, Melissa and I were even talking today a little bit before we started recording, you know, how, how we didn't really pay attention a lot this year. It's kind of a strange year mm-hmm. for all sports, you know, with, with COVID and everything going on. But still, it's NCAA March Madness. And there's a lot of madness going on <laughs> on the women's side. There wasn't a whole lot. The first day uh, it was all chalk. So all the higher seeds won. Um, but in the men's side, there is a lot of chaos going on. And Scott, I'm not even going to get go there with Loyola because I'm sure you'll talk about that at some point.
0: Ramblers. Uh,
1: so yeah, doing well, um, enjoying basketball, enjoying the warmer weather. Always love talking about the weather around here. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, Melissa, throw it to you,
2: Melissa Smeltzercraft, head women's basketball coach, this is the time of year where everybody thinks they coach basketball. So uh, it's tough for us real coaches. Uh, as Less bars are less full right now, so that's good. I, most people are just on their couch saying how great they are at coaching this game. But I have an awesome two-television setup. So yesterday we had one television with men's games and one television with women's games, and both children were on their pads, their iPads. So, you oh, know, multi-scans. they got they got, you know... The shaft yesterday as you know,
0: sports (laughs) triumph. Now, do the women still have the bad setup at their hotels in San Antonio? Mm,
2: Yeah, uh, (laughs) I think they're working on that. There was an issue with the NCAA and disparity between the male uh, tournament and the female tournament. Um, And power to the people on social media making changes, albeit Band-Aid situation. The weight room and some of the amenities um, hopefully will continue to level out.
0: I hope so. That's, that's BS. Uh, I want to introduce to our producer, Xander Merle-Smith, MBA student, graduate assistant. Thank you, Xander, for putting together these podcasts. Also, the music that you might have heard is from Amina Baruch, a music producer in the Netherlands. I don't have their name in front of me, so I'm not going to try to spell it, but uh, if you like the music, check them out. So how we're doing in general with numbers on the show, we are up to 182 or 183 downloads as of today on the Podbean site. It's um, subuzzwords.podbean.com. So we're averaging about 50 a week for the first two. And now this last episode, maybe we got about 80. So let's keep that up. We still have five reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, So please subscribe, rate and review if you haven't. Our email address, buzzwords at su.edu, is now active. We've gotten one email, one piece of feedback from a listener. Thank you to Dana Sharp, chemistry professor at Shenandoah for for her good feedback. And what else here? Oh, I wanna plug something my class my adult years in the aging process class is fundraising for the shenandoah area agency on aging it's a not-for-profit that does a lot for the community especially older adults and we have a website where we're selling apple blossom t-shirts custominc.com fundraising help older adults customink.com/slash/fundraising/slash/help/-older/-adults. This is something Scott
1: does every year. We do with his class, and if you haven't gotten a T-shirt for the apple blossom before, they're great. I think I've I've tried to buy one every year, so I'll definitely be checking out the link here, Scott. Um, yeah. If if people have questions, they can always reach out to your email address, though, in case they didn't get that link on there. Um, but yeah, these, these are great shirts. Last year was Bloom from Your Room, I think, uh-huh, Bloom because from of your COVID. Room. Uh, this year really is good.
0: Something like Bloom from Zoom. And and we're going to have a mixed Apple Blossom this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be an actual stag luncheon that Joey and I will likely be attending.
1: It's it's ethnographic
0: research. You know, That's you've, right. You've really got to be ingrained in the situation. You to really get need immersive to get, experience. Oh you, get, you get to know Winchester by going to these luncheons. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. All right, Phil, I'm curious. Have you ever been to an Apple Blossom event?
3: I have not Uh I heard a rumor about it, that it's really good, and my family was supposed to go when they visited this year, well, this past year, but obviously, COVID hit and yeah. reduced the plans.
0: Well, this year, there might be some events. Let me introduce Phil, actually, while, uh, while we're at it. Uh, Philip Liversedge is a professor in the Division of Education and Leadership at Shenandoah. He has a bachelor's degree in health and physical education from Lock Haven University in Pennsylvania a master's from Haven and a PhD in kinesiology and coaching and teaching studies from West Virginia University. And Phil has an interesting background because he's a coach and a professor, so a mix of everything that we were talking about on our last episode with Erica Francis. He's done a lot of soccer coaching at clubs and universities around the area, and he's currently enrolled in his UEFA A License course, which... Uh, from my limited soccer background, I know it's a very strenuous course. I think you have to pay a lot of money to actually go to this course and uh, take a lot of hours of instruction. Phil, how's that course going? Yeah, it's uh, it's different.
3: No, I, it's, it's good. I, it's mostly on Zoom now. There is the option to go and uh, do your testing. So it was originally face-to-face in Scotland. Um, I was supposed to go over there in the summer, but COVID hit again, so we were pretty largely on Zoom with lots of assignments and micro filming and sending videos and getting feedback. So, but it's great. Uh, You get to meet a lot of people. A lot of people are in the professional game and coaching at top end clubs. So it's a great learning and networking experience.
0: Yeah, that actually makes me think of, you know, as professors, when we go to conferences, right, it's a good chance to network with people in Mm -hmm. the field and find out what's going on and how people are teaching is it like that with coaching too you get to learn different strategies and techniques
3: yeah you get to see a host of things you know some things you're there and you're thinking whoa this guy's having a nightmare I'm not going to do this and then there's other things you're thinking (laughs) wow I'm definitely going to steal that idea so some of the some of the activities and the sessions that I do are are just purely stolen Uh, and then just a slight tweak on it to put my own spin on it to maybe get a different point across or to get you know a different action from the players. So yeah, it's a great it's a great way to learn while learning.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, stealing stuff when you teach um that's a lot of it.
1: There's like. no stealing. It's, it's borrowing. <laughs> borrowing. All right. We
0: Joe- borrow a
1: lot when we when we try to find out new techniques. or. How much have
0: we- you borrowed, Joey? <laughs> I borrow
1: every day. Uh-huh. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, from conferences, from talking to other people, from just emailing people, from students. Um, you know, because some of their ideas, they have great ideas. They have a lot of knowledge about whatever space you might be teaching in. And so whether it's techniques, whether it's content, you know, whatever it might be, I borrow all the time. Um, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to reinvent the wheel on everything. And so I enjoy borrowing as much as I can and making my small adjustments as I go.
0: Yeah, Melissa, you probably do that with coaching.
2: I'm a certified thief. <laughs> I, I'm questioning if I even have any of my own original content. I know. It, it, coaching is stealing. Why reinvent the wheel, as Joey stated?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's a thing, right? Like coaching family trees. Like if you were mm. an assistant coach under right. this person, then you've taken their stuff and they've taken from the person before them.
2: That and, happens, and and I would uh, piggyback off of what Phil may have alluded to. You can equally learn what not to do from mm-hmm. those trees Good and point. your family, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, let some of those branches fall off, oh, yeah, perhaps <laughs> all right, so so Phil, in our last episode, we were talking with um, our guest about parallels between being a professor and teaching and then coaching in teaching, and Melissa asked me and Joey sort of hypothetical situation, like as professors, what we would do in a certain situation. So I have a question for Melissa and you too, Phil, since since you have both both backgrounds here. Um, is there something that professors typically can do that coaches can't do so much? Like, is there something that you maybe envy that professors are able I'll, I'll to do, I'll let Phil Melissa? take the
2: lead on this.
3: Uh, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to take it from the what a professor can't do that a coach can do. You know, when you have the players, you have this, we have some essence of, you know, they want a grade from us. The, the idea is for them to come and get a great grade and to use it towards a degree and graduate. But the playing time and the experience on the team is what a lot of student athletes really want. You know, the education can at times be seen as a, secondary item or I've got to go to university so I can play, you know, and obviously it's student first athlete, second, and sometimes it's hard to maybe get that across to some people. Uh, but yeah, I think you having the ability to, you know, really influence the playing time is, is such a, uh, a factor that can be used as a great tool to lead the athlete. And the as a coach,
0: team.
3: yeah, as a coach.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a professor, you know, if a student like doesn't do their homework, what do we do? Like not let them come to class. <laughs> right. Like, like they're not going to get playing time. They don't have to do the presentation. Yeah, You're not allowed up. to talk in class. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be seen as maybe positive reinforcement. Like you, you add something to the situation to encourage a behavior. Well, in this case, if you're taking away their ability to speak, if they don't view speaking as a good thing, that would technically be negative reinforcement because you're taking some away, which is a topic we got into last episode that Rodney Bragdon c- corrected a little bit of what I was saying, but I was pretty much As he usually accurate. does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rodney will usually correct me on a lot of things. <laughs> so, Melissa, what's your answer to that question? What, what do professors do that coaches can't or don't do as
2: much? I would say my perception of this would be, and, and correct me, if I'm wrong, the ability to shut off listening to said student. So I'll give you an example. I checked this timestamp earlier. I had a text message from a recruit last night at 11.36 PM. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's recruiting. That's just somebody I want, not even somebody I have. Um, So that, excuse me, that idea of um, 24-7-365, I certainly believe to be true. I, I I often speak to my student athletes on Christmas Day, um, and whatever they need. And sometimes it might be a faculty issue where they need help with something related to their class. So their professor mm-hmm. is now shutting them out and saying you need to do this, this, and this, and figure it out. And then who's left there as their point of contact? Often it's the coach and many other issues as well. I've taken our students to the doctor, to the hospital. I've been in the emergency room, so is my wife at two am with students. Like that stuff doesn't stop, and it's ringing the you know it's answering the bell that is ringing to mm-hmm. to protect them and help them.
0: Yeah, I will say as a professor, especially this school year, you know, with so much asynchronous teaching that we have to do, the the email it's it's closer to twenty four seven it's It's closer right. than it used to be. And you you with, now
2: with, live at work. Hmm? You now live at work. It's not yeah, work yeah, from yeah, home, right? Yeah. You
0: you 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 work. You do everything from home, and even when you're, you know, at school, if you're if you're going to school, you're still, you know, mixing the two places.
3: And I think there's a greater expectation on us as well. Not, I don't mean compared to coaches. I mean being placed on faculty now, as opposed to maybe previously before, because when people get in touch with you. You know, they can't come they can't just stop by the office if if your email didn't get a response an hour. There's there has to be a more prompt response and that's part of society, isn't it, now? You know, especially with the generation we're teaching. It's more of a we need answers quick and it needs to be a quick turnaround.
1: That's a great point, Phil. Uh, yeah, it's it's instantaneous access, right. I mean, students have an attention span of about. 0.2 seconds these days. Uh, and so they're wanting that instant feedback. And I think Melissa makes a great point, you know, about that connection that she will have with recruits or any coach might have with recruits because they're the ones in charge of bringing them here. You know, as coaches, they are also recruiting. As faculty members or professors, we don't worry about the recruiting near as much as coaches need to. Because we rely on our admissions team at the university to bring students in, get them ready, signed up for their initial classes, and then we help bring or help keep them here. So we helped on retaining students, but on the recruiting, we don't really have that connection before they make it to us. And so we're able to kind of have that, we're able to disconnect a little bit more than coaches who have that established relationship, who have that 24-7, 365 days a year connection to students because they've had that relationship building longer than faculty have, so I think that's a really good point.
0: Yeah, the recruiting, that's something that professors, I think unless they've been on a, a search committee or like coached at the college level themselves, they they have no idea how much admissions work the coaches do, especially mm-hmm. at a school like Shenandoah, right, where you don't have a whole staff of recruiters that can go out for you, right. like it's, it's Melissa who's out there.
2: I definitely bricks. think the coaches see themselves as an extension of the admissions team. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, so Phil, we have some segments to talk about with you. Okay. Our first segment, highs and lows. And here everyone, well everyone in our group here will say the best and worst events that we've had in the past week or two. Do you okay. have a high and a low, Phil?
3: Yes, I do. Uh, my high was uh taking one of my teams that I coach. I coach for a local soccer club, Loudoun Soccer Club. Uh oh sneaky plug there we uh went down to the one of the number one tournaments in the country uh jefferson cup out of richmond and we won the top bracket in terms of the the top version i guess of the top league in there uh beating our local rivals there so that was good that was a Uh, highlight congratulations yeah thank you the the girls did well uh i just put them out there and Say a few words, and they go into the business usually. And then what my age low, group was it? U uh, fourteen, so two thousand and seven girls. And you know, it's a real, it's a real height difference in some of them. We have a five eleven girl and a four foot. I mean, 10, yeah. four foot like, you know, we oh, have a geez. real, we have a real, a real depth of uh, height difference. And then, yeah, it was good. It was a great weekend. Uh, only got a little bit sunburned, so that's positive. And then the low would be, you know, my bi-weekly or weekly sticking my foot in it with someone where you know you see a student dressed up on zoom and you say oh hey you know oh you dressed up for my <laughs> class and then you get the no i was at a funeral type answer and then you
0: know, oh you just,
3: yeah I'm, yeah
0: so that's the low yeah man got it yeah i have those bi-weekly minor more once a week sticking a foot in the mouth (laughs) often they're on they're on uh, a podcast where i have to correct (laughs) something that i said the previous week uh joey what were your high and low yeah highs and lows for
1: the past couple of weeks um we'll start with the the highs i mean stimulus check Came oh, in. Yeah. yeah. Good old Stimmy came in. That was great. <laughs> uh, so that was nice to have. Uh, we had a couple of our esports teams did very well. Uh, we had four of our Madden players made it to the playoffs. Um, and so they will start competing this week, actually. So at the time of the recording to actually start playing tonight. Uh, so that was really exciting because that's a brand new team that we have here. We weren't sure how they were going to do. Really exciting. We had another another one of our Uh, Teams also make it to the playoffs, but I guess to transition segue into the lows, they then lost in the uh, national quarterfinals, Uh, but still had a great season, undefeated regular season, uh, lost to a really good team, so I had a great year. Uh, And then my other low is to, man, we talk about recruiting and weather on here a lot I feel (laughs) like, Uh, my other low is on the recruiting side of things. Uh, I lost my first recruit And recruiting is a brand new thing to me. I mean, ask Melissa, I ask her every time she comes in, hey, how do you recruit this person? Hey, what is it like recruiting for this? You know, what is it like when you lose a recruit? So I had a student that I was recruiting to come play a game called Valorant here at the university and very, very highly ranked. I thought we were going to get them, had some great conversations throughout the weekends and middles of the night, you know, all kinds of stuff like Melissa was talking about with recruits. And then I found out via Twitter, by the way, that he signed with another school. And so we lost him. And uh, so that 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 puts a damper on things going into next year. So I obviously still got to work on filling out that roster, getting the other students that I'm recruiting for that game. Uh, but it was the first time that I really put a lot of effort and hope into getting a student here. And they decided to go somewhere else. And then finding out via Twitter was just kind of the cherry on top for my lows of the, of the last two weeks. Um, Melissa. Well, that's
2: the perfect segue. That's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, my low I and and this is where it hurts is just like you find out on Twitter Mm -hmm. really that you're gonna go to another school Um, it's just frustrating Um, had a had an individual meeting with uh, one of our captains and we talked a lot about hard conversations and I think these student athletes think that having a hard conversation and breaking up with you, Joey, or breaking up with me, um, is the hardest conversation and they're (laughs) going to be in for a rude awakening the rest of their lives. If they scapegoat to Twitter to, to announce where they're going. Uh, My high would be, I have to give a tremendous shout out to the women's basketball assistant coach, Elizabeth Bierman. Oh yes, Yes. She was named by the women's basketball coaches association, the best, best assisting coach in all of division three. Can you believe it? Huge I cannot. Shout out. That's huge, awesome. huge. Huge. Come to Shenandoah, play for Coach L. Let's mm-hmm. go.
0: Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Hey, good Gee luck topping well. that one, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> well I can't, but my 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 high is personal to Melissa because my high was a panel discussion that my adult years class had last week in which Melissa's wife, Ashley, was a vital part of that discussion. We invite in four parents, and Joey's been in this discussion mm-hmm. too. Um, we invite in four working parents who are trying to balance you know, work and being a, a partner and being a parent. And then we have them just answer questions from the students about their roles and how do they balance it all. And uh, Ashley brought up this concept of mom guilt Which led to a really good discussion among our four panelists, and I think this concept of like mom guilt, or more like it, you know, for this podcast maybe professor guilt or coach guilt, that could be a good topic for a future episode. Uh, So that was my high, just having that good good class discussion with uh, with Ashley and Melissa made a, a cameo appearance. Um, I did hop did on there. Well, what is mom guilt? I'm like on pins and needles
2: here. Explain this concept it's, it's to me. It's like Catholic <laughs> guilt, but steered towards being a mother. <laughs> huh. Sort of
0: like 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 you feel like you should be doing better, right? You see all these other moms that like you know make balanced meals for their kids, gotcha. and they okay. and they and they homeschool their kids, and they have all these resources, and they they uh, <laughs> take them on all these amazing field trips, and they do all these amazing crafts. Sure. Um, and especially now with COVID, right? When everything is is online, and you see this in Instagram and yeah, you thanks see social it media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just this feeling of oh, I'm not doing enough. I mean, me that that's how I interpret it. And uh, you know, women have like extra pressure on them when it comes to parenting, just because of structure of society.
2: All right, let's shift it. Or did you Wait, do both? I say, you oh no, I have, I have a low. I have a low. Oh, sorry, Scott.
0: Um. My low was in class on Friday in Psych 101. It's a 26-person class. We have capacity in the classroom for 13 or 14. 12 students were supposed to be there face-to-face. Guess how many actually showed up?
2: Well, if it's based on your previous shower comment, I would hope zero. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I, I have started to shower more since the last podcast. That's so. what comes
1: out of the podcast is that
0: Scott showers more. <laughs> it's good I for everybody. Think, I don't think that was an issue. <laughs> so well, I'm going to say you had four. I hear four from Joey. Phil, what's I'm gonna your I'm going to say
3: 16, more than you anticipated.
0: Oh, that would be a pleasant surprise. Melissa says one. I had one student show up face-to-face. So that one student got to, you know, sit wherever she wanted in the classroom. And I, you know, taught to 25 students that were on Zoom. And then the one student there in the room only got slightly awkward. Um, so that, that was my low. Trying to, and this is about the time of the semester when students just start sure. choosing the Zoom option more. Sure. So I'm going to try to put in some, some positive reinforcement and some, maybe some negative punishment to, to get students to come to class. More.
1: Well, I, I got a question for you, Scott. Did that one student still have to put her cell phone up at the front of the classroom? I don't do that anymore. Oh, you don't do that anymore.
0: Okay. <laughs> so in my classes, <laughs> I used to have students park their cell phones <laughs> on a table at the front of the room when they walked into the room. Um, don't do that anymore because there'd be too much close physical contact sure. And okay, right, they all sense. grab their phones afterwards. Understood. So, uh, so that's done with. All right. Enough from me. All right,
2: Phil buzzword breakdown, hit us with a teaching buzzword.
3: Okay. So I have, I mean, we're going to go plural and I've got four of them, but it's kind of in like this weird little sentence. So humble yourself to reflect. Mm. So those are kind of my key ones because I find that sometimes, you know, with my students, myself and coaches, that it's a little too easy to just do what you've done and maybe you've taught a lesson or you've coached a session and then the actual real learning for you is once it's over and you humble yourself to reflect on what was right, what was wrong, but not just not just in a capacity of, yeah, I think the kids enjoyed themselves. No, okay, we, we get that one. We need a little bit more. So kind of digging deeper and taking it upon yourself and you know, not dissecting because you don't want to – you don't want to beat yourself up too much, but you tend to find the people that are the best ones in in the, the teaching field or the coaching field that I've seen are the ones that are kind of more, even more on the critical side of themselves, and really want to improve in that regard. So humble yourself to reflect.
2: I love that.
1: Wow. Same here. These are awesome. I love these every week because it's things I never would have thought of.
0: Yeah. All right. This, this I is, like the humble yourself. The part. humble yourself. There's a, a Kendrick Lamar song. It has the word "humble" in it that I can't I can't quote right now because it would make this an explicit podcast. But that this idea of humbling yourself, like don't think of yourself as too high. There
1: were some T-shirts that were made a couple of years ago after Georgia played Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl, which Georgia won, by the way. Uh-huh. Uh huh. To some students, some players were saying that to Baker Mayfield, who was Ooh, a quarterback to of be at the time, to humble yourself, humble yourself. Um, so yeah, I mean, th- those words hold true. They stand the test of time, if you
0: will. Mm-hmm. I like it.
1: Um, okay, Phil, uh, tool time. Here we go. Uh, talk about your favorite teaching tool.
0: Yeah.
3: So this is, you know, this it might be controversial. Uh, you know, I like to rock the boat here, but this is, and Scott may know this cause I actually worked with Scott in a course if a you, uh, last year, year before it is the most important F word in the teaching that you will do. And it is <laughs> fun.
0: Yes. That's what I thought it was. Good. It is
3: the old fashioned <laughs> idea of Teaching and having fun, and making sure your students or players, if it's coaching, have fun. Uh, you know, we we get we get stuck in the Zoom world. We get stuck in all kinds of things. Uh, you know, I remember my first my first coaching session on Zoom. We did pre uh, post the lockdown. Uh, you know, we were all sat on Zoom and all the kids were a little bit distressed. Uh, I walk in with that Zoom background with the Caribbean island. With a Hawaiian shirt on, a drink with an umbrella in it, a hat on, and some sunglasses. And then ice was broken. You know, life is back to normal uh, as close as we can be. But yeah, really just a case of can we try and have fun with our students? Can we make them enjoy the classes, make them want to come back? And obviously, touched on the coaching side of that, you know, you're not, you remember the sessions that were horrible where you're out there in the freezing rain and your coach is walking you through tactics step by step at nine o'clock at night with sideways winds in Northern Virginia. But you remember those for the bad things. The fun is when you're out there playing, getting to experience the game and having as many different uh, positive experiences as possible. So, yeah, really trying to elicit the fun in teaching and uh,
0: coaching. Hmm. So I should try to make my class fun to have students show up.
3: Well, I'm not sure about the cell phone thing at the start. It doesn't doesn't (laughs) smell of fun to me. Uh, But no, I think think it's like I kind of try to get across to the coaching education students and the the future P students is you have to be an actor and an actress in front of the group. Mm -hmm. If, you know, imagine Ashley walking up to a team practice, long night with the kids, you know, didn't really have a good breakfast, you know, just let's just go and play here. What's the standard of the practice going to be like? If she's not there and she's not, you know, caffeined up and pepping a step, it's going <laughs> to, it's going to be a, a struggle.
1: Wow. That's, that's really good. And you know, I think Phil, it, it goes also to the point of engagement. When you make something fun, it's easier to engage with students, uh, which is a, a critical thing these days, especially you alluded to zoom and doing things distant wise, you've got to engage and we got to find a way to make it fun because otherwise they will zone out quickly.
3: Yeah. And some of the content we teach in no matter what field it is, it is boring. You know, like yeah, yes. you're talking about talking about, te- you know, I do a modal, teacher mode learning class. And we're talking about a child grasping a, a block and how how it uses parts of their hand. And previously they couldn't do that. Like that's to a to a college student. You're thinking I'll deal with that in 15 years. You know, I don't need to deal <laughs> with this now. So you have to try and make it, you know, somewhat entertaining and getting that buy in that you talked about
2: it all can't be sexy, right? Some of it is right. boring. We, we talk about that all the time, but I, you saying the actor-actress, that really strikes me because I think that's a big part of being a leader is you have to fake it all the time. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, fake it till you make it. That's a good
1: point. I don't know, who doesn't love research methods at 8 a.m.? I mean, that's a great <laughs> class to take at 8 a.m. You can always make that one fun. Um, no, great great job, Phil. I totally agree. Um, to go to the next one, you thought you knew Share with everybody something that you think the listeners should know about your department.
3: Well, Matt, you know, we're a part of the education studies, and, and my specific is the kinesiology program, which teaches health and future health and PE teachers how to teach health and PE out there in the schools. And, you know, a shameless little plug here you, we have so many degrees at Shenandoah and so many degrees offered in the world, uh, but there's only some that when you graduate, you are fully qualified and fully licensed to go out into the working mm-hmm. world and I think the more society is challenged with the idea of higher education which obviously we all work in so we love it so much uh but the more universities are challenged in terms of the fees uh, that are out there over over the you know over society and in the U.S. in particular coming out with a degree where you can go straight to the workforce is going to become more and more in demand I would say uh, and there's not a whole lot of Uh, requirements for master's level PE teachers they generally like to have students in there who graduate go straight from student teaching into the workforce and then you get their master's as you're working through in a traditional field so that's kind of my sell for that and uh, you know something that isn't known about the program is I am largely based in the basement of the chapel on campus that is my that is my uh, cave in there. Cause we have a lot of, well, we don't have a lot of space. We have space for the equipment that we use there rather than moving it from Bowman over to the, the main campus.
0: Yeah. I did not know that.
2: Nice. All right, Phil, give us your Hornet hot take. This is free and clear. Go ahead and rant about something.
3: Okay. So my rant is about the concept of overusing jargon. So when we're teaching, when we're coaching, Uh, can we try and simplify things to get the information across Uh, you know i used an example earlier when we're talking uh, about say we're coaching soccer and we wanted to make sure a pass goes between two players There's 150 different ways you can say that but what we want to say is something along the lines of play it through the gap you know pass it through the space you know as opposed to Mm -hmm. you can have a whole different thing find the seam you know, can you split the difference? You know, there's all kinds of different terminology, but if we can simplify it, it's uh, really easy. And I'll give an example from the real world. You know, when I was in one of my coaching roles at a university, we had a talented player played in the middle and the head coach was giving their team talk and it was, you know, 150 pieces of information uh, and mentioned to the, to the player they wanted a certain thing from him. They wanted him to, you know, support his partner in the midfield when he doesn't have the ball. But he using terms like find the seam and be the second pivot and duality and all this stuff. And this is a kid that's gone on to be, you know, a surf instructor in the Florida Keys. Like he's not he's not someone who loves the dictionary on a weekend. He so he was walking out there and I just saw him so perplexed and he was like, What what does he mean? So I got my little notebook out, drew two little circles and I said, If he has the ball here, you need to be here. And he looked at me and why didn't he just say that? And I'm like yeah, I don't know, but there's my example of the jargon.
0: I like it. All right. Well, we are getting close to the end here. Um, Phil, is there anything you want to plug?
3: Well, I've done my program plug, but no, I think continuing to plug this podcast, I've listened to all the episodes and it's been great and uh, getting to know some people that I didn't know and some people I've I've seen the faces and I've walked past the faces, uh, but it's good to, get to know a little bit more about the university. I've been here just over 18 months now, but with COVID it's a whole year of never having the opportunity to really connect with people face to face. So this, I think this is a great, it's a great way to start to bring people together post COVID.
0: Well, thanks. Yeah. We hope, we hope the podcast does that for people. And we need to wrap it up here. Our next episode is going to be in three weeks because we do have spring break at Shenandoah. On April 12th, we will be uh, hosting Professor Hakeem Leonard from the Music Therapy Program at Shenandoah. And Hakeem is also the Assistant Provost for Inclusion, Diversity, and Equity. So we'll see you in a few weeks. Until then, keep Keep on on buzzing.
3: buzzing.